can go to Hebrews chapter number two, please, tonight. Hebrews chapter number two. I was between two messages uh, tonight, so I leaned over to the pastor and I said, hey, how about which one of these two messages? And he said, I'm not going to influence you. I said, well, good. what good are you? Amen. I mean, gee whiz. You know, you can't ask the pastor. Who can you ask? Amen. And I, I, told, I said it so many times, pastor, we talked about it. When I'm at when I'm at Loomis uh, tonight, we'd be just finishing up. We start at 6.30, and, and uh, I almost always uh, know throughout the week what I'm going to preach. But boy, when you preach somewhere else, uh, it's different. It's just different. I, 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 many times I'll come right up onto the platform and really not know what I'm going to preach. But praise the Lord, I bring about 40, 40 shells in the chamber. Amen. There's about 40 messages in here. And uh, I said, well, there's got to be one in there that somebody needs. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2 tonight. We're going to read the first four verses. I wonder if you'd stand with me out of respect for God's word, if you're physically able. If you're not, don't you worry about that. Amen. Uh, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to preach to you a message tonight called The Dangers of Dream. Drifting. The dangers of drifting. We'll look at Hebrews chapter number 2, verses 1 through 4, and take a, a, a text out of here and try to be a help to you tonight. And uh, we were so privileged last night. We preached on Beware of Thorns in Your Garden. And on Monday night, we preached a message simply entitled, Look. And you say, What are you going to preach tomorrow? And I said, You have to come back and find out. Amen. And then what about Friday night? You have to come back and find out. And then I'll be here Sunday morning, Pastor, 8.15, I believe. We still have the 8.15 service and Sunday school, 9.30. Got a Sunday school message I cannot wait to preach on the 20 wisest decisions I ever made. The t- just as simply the 20 wisest decisions I ever made, and I'll cram it into 45 minutes or 30 minutes or however long you give me, Pastor. And then, of course, Sunday morning we'll be preaching. And I'm so excited about preaching Sunday night at my home church, the church I got saved in 23 years ago. And praise God, it hasn't changed one bit. Right on, still giving the gospel, still reaching people, still seeing people saved, and I'm so glad for that. So, But I look forward to this message tonight. And a pastor broke my streak for me last night. Such an encouragement, amen. He's always telling me, he said, oh, 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 that's the best message you ever preached. Oh. And he said, he said, he said, you know, I say it to you every time, but that's the best. Every, every message you preach is the best message you ever heard, I ever heard you preach. And last night he said to me, he said, it was real good, but it wasn't as good as Monday night. I said, well, I'm off the hook, amen. And uh, so praise, all the pressure's off for the rest of the week, amen. So I can lay egg after egg after egg the rest of this week, amen. Hebrews chapter 2, we're just going to read four verses, so I'll tell you what, let's read them in unison together, and let's pause at the punctuation, mind the commas and semicolons and all that, just like you were taught a long time ago in English class, amen. We'll read all four verses together in unison. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, ready, let's begin. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord 
and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Father, we thank you for the, your precious word. We pray that you'd please bless it to our hearts tonight. We pray for each one here. May you make this one message for many hearts. I pray that those that need comfort would be comforted. Those that need chastening would be chastened. And Lord, those that need to be awakened to their lost condition would be awakened to that lost condition tonight. Do your work as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Hebrews is a wonderful book of the Bible. By the way, remember this next time, next uh, uh, January, when you start out in Genesis like a house of fire. Amen. Who's with me? You, you, get, you say, bless God, it's, it's the, it's the uh, start of the year and I'm going to read five chapters a day or ten chapters a day or however many chapters a day and you rip through Genesis, amen, and then you start moving through Exodus and you get to Exodus chapter 25, Pastor, and you they start building the tabernacle, amen? And, they, and, and then you get to Leviticus, and you got the kidneys and the call and the liver and all those, the fat of the off. Listen, you can't, Pastor, I know you know this, Brother Thomas, you know this. You can't know Hebrews without knowing Leviticus. It doesn't make any sense. It talks about the offering. And, and the book of Hebrews is truly a defense of the superiority of Christ. He's better. He's, uh, if you look at your Bible, and I know we don't have time, but chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, he's better than the prophets. Chapter uh, 1, verses 5 and 6, he's better than the angels. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, he's better than Moses. Chapter 4 and 5, he's better than all the priests. He's better than the old covenant in chapter 8. He's better than the sanctuary in chapter 9. He's better than all the sacrifices. Listen, he's better because he's God. Amen. He's God. Jesus Christ is God. He's not just some man who came to martyr himself. He was God in human flesh who came to make that final offering for the sins of mankind. Thank God. I love what old Don Green said. Brother Don Green, he's been pastoring Parker Memorial Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan, just 30 miles north of us, I think for almost 70 years, Brother Neil. And you know what he said about the Lord Jesus Christ? He said this, Brother Ray, he said, he's everything that he said he was and so much more. Oh, I love that. Amen. The story is told of an elderly gentleman who observed a powerful incident in nature. A bald eagle, that most majestic of birds, took notice of a dead animal on an ice floe in the Niagara River in New York. I have been by the Niagara River multiple times. Before 9-11, Pastor, we used to go, when we would go to Midwestern Baptist College, take our young people there, we would always go through Canada. And you go up through, you take 90 to, to 290 up there to Niagara Falls, and you, you go right along the Niagara River. There's many times I saw gigantic flows of ice just moving down the river toward the falls. And that's what this man was looking at. He, he saw a bald eagle that spotted uh, this, this dead animal on the ice flow. And the eagle swooped down and then gently landed on the ice. And he began pecking away at his newfound meal. 
as the massive chunks of ice rapidly moved downstream, the great river raged and water splashed and the mist from the great falls from which Niagara is famous fell upon everything. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls and you wear glasses, you can be six, eight blocks away, Brother Thomas, and you just always need wipers, amen? You're always wet. That mist just kept churning up, and, and, and uh, the, the man watched, it again, as, the, as the, the bird just leisurely pecked away at his meal. As the ice came nearer and nearer to the falls, the old man became filled with suspense and anticipation. Surely, he thought, just as the magnificent bird reached the precipice of the falls, he would sink his powerful razor-sharp talons into his prey and then whisk away and enjoy his meal elsewhere. However, his anticipation turned to horror as the ice and the eagle went over the falls, and the great bird was crushed and drowned. You say, what happened? What happened? While the eagle casually drifted downstream, the chill, the river, the splashing, and the midst, unbeknownst to him, had iced his feet to the ice flow. While he just drifted along. You know, if you look at our text, you see there's a duty in verse 1. It says, therefore, and it, by the way, anytime you see that word starting a new chapter, see the word therefore or wherefore, a great hermeneutical principle of Bible interpretation is uh, whenever you see a therefore or wherefore, ask yourself what it's there for. It's tying you back to the previous verses. Because Christ is greater than angels... He's talking about angels there at the end of chapter 1. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. We as Christians have a duty not only to be hearers of this book, but to be doers. It's not, only to, and it's not enough to just hear the word of God. We must heed the word of God and all God's people said. And so there's a duty there. There's a danger at the end of verse 1. This is where we'll focus tonight. Uh, it says there, lest at any time we should let them slip. What's the them there? It's those, those things uh, that, that he talked about in the beginning of the verse. The more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we let them slip. There's a danger there. There's a duty and then there's a demonstration in verses 2 through 4. God says, listen, the word that was spoken by angels that he was just talking about was steadfast. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I'm here to tell you something tonight. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're lost in your sins. And by the way, all of us were at one time, and all God's people said, amen. But listen to me. God says it plain. He says we're all sinners. He says that the wages of sin is death, uh, death in hell, separation from God. And he says that Jesus Christ came to make that payment for us. And he offers us a free gift. But if you won't take the free gift, hell is your destination. You'll not escape. You'll not be able to say, well, my wife went to church, or my kids went to church, or my husband went to church. No, no, no. You'll have to give an account for your own sins. And by the way, why would you want to do that? Listen, 
we're getting ready to move into a new house. And you know what comes with a new house, Brother Dave? A new mortgage. Glory to God. Amen. I got to say glory to God. I, I'm 46 years old, Pastor. I'm entering into a 30-year mortgage. That means if God allows me to be 76 years old, I'll get that baby paid off. Amen. Now, if somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, I would like to pay your mortgage. First of all, I would check their temperature. You know, make sure they're feeling all right, okay? You didn't just come out of the mental hospital, did you? Amen. But if somebody of me, they said, no, no, God, God has blessed me, and I want to pay off your mortgage. They went to the bank, and we got it all worked out, and they paid off the mortgage. And Brother Bob, I walked in the next month with my mortgage payment and put it down and gave it to the bank. I would be a fool to do that. It's already paid. Amen? It's, it's already been paid. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the sin debt of all mankind has already been paid. A man is a fool to die and go to hell and pay for his sins forever and ever and ever when it's already been paid for, amen? But he says right here, listen, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There's a demonstration there. He talks about how the word was spoken unto us by the Lord. It was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. This topic tonight, the dangers of drifting, it's found in verse number one at the end. Lest at any time we should let them slip. It comes from the Greek word paraheo. Paraheo. And this is the only time that it is used in the New Testament. The only time that word is used, that we should let them slip, paraheo. This is what it means. It means to flow past, to glide by. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if that isn't drifting, I don't know what is. To just flow past, to glide by. Listen, the danger of Hebrews 2.1 is to drift from salvation and the things of God. Now, when you drift from salvation, you don't lose your salvation because you can't lose your salvation. You can drift from the things of God and fellowship with God. If you're here today, again, and you are lost, please know that you're drifting downstream toward death, judgment, and hell. However, I'd like to mainly address this message tonight to God's people. Those, that, those of us that know the Lord as our Savior and talk about the dangers of drifting. Number one, let me give you some revelation about drifting. Revelation about drifting. According to verse 1, drifting happens. Drift, why, why would God give us a warning in the Word of God not to drift? Because I'll tell you why, because drifting happens. Ben, listen, I've been saved for 23 years and in the ministry for 21 I have watched people drift away from God. I have seen it over and over and over and over. And so revelation about drifting, drifting happens. Secondly, drifting requires no effort. No effort at all. Have you ever just, maybe you, you did some, some boating, some kayaking, and, and you got tired, and you just, you just put the oars down for just a minute, and all of a sudden... Brother Walt, you drifted just as far as you just rowed. And you thought, why did I stop rowing? Drifting happens. Drifting requires no effort. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Drifting can occur without much warning. If you've ever 
been out, and Lord willing, Carrie and I are going to go out next week to, uh, to Truro, Cape Cod. I like to go out there, and there's a special spot that we've been going to for 20 years, amen. Probably going to freeze ourselves to death, amen. But hey, we'll be on the beach together, probably light something on fire, amen. And uh, we'll be, we, we, we've seen it before, Brother Dave, riptides. People will get out there, and they'll walk out maybe, maybe 10 feet, and the water's not really that high. And then they, they get under the water a little bit, and the next thing you know, that riptide, that, it comes in, and, it, and they have drifted, and they try to swim back in, and you can't. You have to swim sideways and over. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this uh, to, to, to warn you. D- listen, drifting happens. Drifting requires no effort. Drifting can occur without much notice. Drifting never takes place against the tide or upstream. To see, the revelation about drifting, ladies and gentlemen, is that we would know that everything Good in our spiritual life is obtained by grace and through our efforts. See, it's, it's twofold. It's not just God's grace and I do whatever I want. No, that's drifting. It's God's grace in my life that enables me and empowers me and helps me. And then I exude effort. Listen, if you don't read your Bible, you'll drift. If you don't carry gospel tracts, you won't witness. You'll drift. You, just, you won't do it. We, we used to call shirts without any pockets. When I was in Bible college, we call them devil shirts because it didn't have any spot for a gospel track. Amen. We used to call them devil shirts. Don't wear those devil shirts, amen. Make sure you got gospel. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the, the revelation about drifting is it can happen. It, listen, better people than you and me have drifted away from God. How many, listen, and I, I, I won't ask for amens. Don't, don't, don't amen this. How many of you know somebody that's drifted or maybe you're a person that's drifted? Hmm? I, listen, I know there are times in my spiritual life where I've drifted. No effort whatsoever, okay? So revelation about drifting. What are some reasons for drifting? What are some reasons for drifting? Well, I, I have a few that I've uh, written down here. I think society. When I think of society right now, I think of 1 Timothy 4.1 that talks about, it talks about in the last days perilous times shall come and there shall be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Pastor, we've known churches that have drifted away from the faith. It's amazing. You, you wouldn't think it could happen, but I'm telling you it does. I think society has uh, definitely a reason for drifting. The world distracts us, and the next thing you know, we're just drifting downstream, and we think, how did I ever get over here? I used to be over there serving God, and now I'm downstream, dashed against the rocks of this world. It's another reason for drifting. Not only society, but self. (laughs) Oh, mercy. You know, your greatest enemy is not the devil. Forgive me, sir, your greatest enemy is that one you shave every day or that one, Brother Baskin, you shaved about 18 weeks ago or whenever you started growing that beard, amen. Oh, no, listen, our self, hmm? our self. You know what Paul said, the greatest Christian that ever lived? He said, the things I know I should do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, those things I do. And you know what he said? He said, Brother Ray, oh, wretched man that I am. 
self. Self can cause us to drift. Listen, self doesn't want to get up and engage in spiritual warfare. <clears throat> hmm? Self doesn't want to get up and, and engage in spiritual disciplines of a disciple. Reading the Bible, praying, reaching peace. Self doesn't want to do that. You know what my flesh wants to do? Exactly what it wanted to do 23 years ago when I got saved. Still wants to do whatever it wants to do. Doesn't want to engage in anything spiritual, that's for sure. Reasons for drifting. Society, self. You know what? Uh, Brother Dave's here, and I love Brother Dave. Man, we ministered a lot. Youth rallies and things like that. Brother Dave, this, this one's for the youth pastors out there, Brother Caleb. Sidekicks. Sidekicks will cause you to drift. The wrong friends. How many times have we seen it, Brother Dave? Young man, young woman, 12, 13 years old, comes into the youth group, so sweet, so on fire for God. By the time they're 17 or 18, they got the wrong friends and they're gone. Amnon had a friend. What a sermon that is. 2 Samuel 13, verse 3. Society, self, sidekicks. Seasons can cause us to drift. The Bible tells us redeeming the time because the days are evil. Why would, why would Paul say that? Because the tendency of drifting is to not redeem the time. You know, I, I just finished up a series on the prodigal son, and, and it was such a blessing to preach that series on, on Sunday nights. And uh, I was talking about the prodigal, and I've, I have a message I preach on the prodigal, one part of the series, but I preach a message called, What You Lose When You Choose the Far Country. And you know the biggest thing the prodigal lost of all, Brother Ty, was time. He lost time with his dad. He, he went off into that far country. And he wasted his substance, but he also wasted time. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you what. The seasons can slip by. Boy, the older you get, the, the more autumns you've seen, you'd say, did I, did I just, man, I drifted for a year or two. Or how, the seasons just go right by, Amen. And so society can cause us to drift. Self can cause us to drift. Sidekicks can cause us to drift. Seasons can cause us to drift. And can I just give you this fifth reason for drifting? It's simple. It's easier to drift than to row. Hmm? That's simple. It's easier to drift than to row. So many times society just wants the easy way. And sometimes as Christians... We're not much better. Amen. You can say, oh, me. <laughs> Reasons for drifting. Revelation about drifting. Let me give you some road signs that you're drifting. Some road signs that you're drifting. A thankless and loveless devotional life. A thankless, and, and by the way, I'm glad for people who read their Bible because it's right to read the Bible. Dr. Malone used to tell us when I was at Midwestern Baptist College, he said, uh, he said I read till God speaks to me. He said, well, when, how long does he, you know, how, how, how much do you read till he speaks to you? He said, well, sometimes I read five or 10 chapters or 20 chapters, but he usually speaks to me in four. 
And what he was saying is he read four chapters of his Bible every day. But I'm going to tell you something. A road sign that you're drifting is a thankless and loveless devotional life. Oh, I guess i got to read my Bible today. The pastor's probably going to ask me tonight, did you read your Bible? So I better read it. You know, the church of Ephesus was a great church. It's the only church in the Bible to have two epistles written to it by two apostles. The apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. The apostle John wrote Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, an epistle to the Ephesians. You remember what Jesus said. He said about that church at Ephesus. He said, listen, you're a good church, and you got good doctrine, and you're strong, and you fight against false teachers, and I love all that. Nevertheless, he said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. A road sign that you're drifting. And let me just say this, a road sign that I'm drifting. Say, Pastor, can you drift? Well, I'll tell you what. You put a mirror under your nose and put a mirror under my nose, and if it fogs, both of us are capable of drifting. If it doesn't fog, we're dead, so don't worry about it, amen? Oh, I can drift just like you. Pastor Shaw can drift just like you. A thankless and loveless devotional life is a road sign that we're drifting. Well, I know it's Wednesday night. I don't have to preach this too hard, Pastor, but lessening church attendance. Lessening church attendance. Well, you know, Wednesday's not really the Lord's Day, so... I guess I'm off the hook. Well, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, is the key to verse 25. You know what verse 24 of Hebrews says? It says, let us consider one another. I've preached so many times at our church. I said, to not come to church when you can. I'm not talking about work. I understand I understand work, I understand sickness, I understand family vacations. I'm talking about you can be here and you say, I'm tired. It says, let us consider one. You know what that is? That's inconsiderate. Amen, pastor. That's good preaching right there. I I think I'll amen my own, I may sign my own Bible tonight, amen. That's good preaching, right? It's inconsiderate, but I live far away. It's inconsiderate. When my wife and I got married, about 153 years ago, amen. We, she worked in Worcester, Mass. I worked in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. And our church was in Holyoke, Mass. Now, some of you don't know the topography there, but some of you do. Those are all like 45 minutes away from each other, at least. And so what we did was we took an old, we took a map. Remember those things, maps? They were really cool, Amen. Pastor was telling me, it was, we were in New York, he said he, said he was looking at his GPS and, and uh, he, the policeman pulled him over and he said he got a ticket for being on his cell phone. He said, I was looking at the map. I, my wife said, you should have pulled out a big map and drove down the road with that, amen, so he could, could arrest you for that. We took a map and we drew a circle. We took an old-fashioned compass with a pencil, amen, and we drew a circle from our church to my work, to my wife's work, and figured out a spot right in the middle that would allow us to conveniently drive about 35 minutes to each. 
Munson, Massachusetts, first place we ever lived. Munson, Massachusetts. Why did we do that? I'll tell you what, church is important. I say all the time, my church family is my family. This church, listen, this church is a family. When you're not here, and you can be here, that's a road sign you're drifting. What did the psalmist say? I was glad unto, un, un, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. I was glad about it. And Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That means it's not just the Lord's Day on Sunday morning when the church services are scheduled and the lights are burning and you can be here, you should be here. Or you're drifting. Huh? You're drifting. Lessening church attendance. A thankless and loveless devotional life. Boy, this one... <laughs> uh, I think to myself when I wrote this, I, I, mu I must have just been looking for trouble when I wrote this one. Hard-hearted toward preaching. Hard-hearted. Just go ahead and try to bless me. I've seen them before. They start looking at, right around 12 o'clock, Brother Dave, they start looking at their watch. Every once in a while, I say, you don't have to do that. I mean, I don't, need, I don't need clocks when I preach. I need calendars. I'm going long today, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you something, and he's gonna, he probably won't pay for my meal tonight, but that's all right, amen. You have one of the most tender-hearted preachers. Amen. You have, listen to me, you, I served, I served in the trenches with that man for three years, you have one of the most tender-hearted pastors. Amen. Who do you think you are to get hard-hearted toward his preaching? He's not preaching to upset you. He's preaching to help you. You know what Hebrews 3.13 tells us? It says, beware lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Pastor, you know what the most deceitful sin of all is? being a hearer of the word and not a doer. The Bible says deceiving our own selves. You get a hard heart toward preaching. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. Listen, you're drifting. If that's you, you're drifting. It's a road sign. Thankless and loveless devotional life. Lessening church attendance. Hard-hearted toward preaching. Diminishing desire to share the gospel. Diminishing desire. Now, listen, there's a difference between being scared to share the gospel and a diminishing desire. Listen, let, let, let's be honest. Most of us, including a pastor of 34 years and a pastor of 10 years, get a little bit afraid when we share the gospel. And all God's people said. But do you ever share it? I mean, we believe people are going to hell, right? Do we, do we believe lost people still go to hell? You know, hell hasn't cooled off because you have. Hmm? Hell hasn't cooled off because you have. 
I, I'm not trying to be ornery or ugly tonight. I'm saying this. If you, don't ha if you have a diminishing desire to share the gospel, what are we doing? This is, what, this is our job, amen? This is what God left us here to do. Otherwise, he'd just save us and take us right to heaven. Diminishing. If you never share the gospel with anybody, I'm telling you what, you may used to have been there, but you're over here against these rocks, drifting. Just hitting those rocks, amen? Drifting downstream. Road signs of drifting. Thankless and loveless devotional life, lessening church attendance, hard-hearted toward preaching, diminishing desire to share the gospel. Service for God becomes mechanical. Mechanical. I've been guilty of this myself. Pastor had to come in and, boy, I just had a, had a, a week of drifting in my life and I had to come in and I, I couldn't go, okay. Let's take our hymnals and turn to page 131 as we sing when morning gilds the skies. No, I, I had to get up and say, hey, we're going to sing uh, page number 350 when we all get to heaven. Let's hear it now. Sing though. And I was, I knew that that service was mechanical. Wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ, pastor. Just wood, hay, and stubble. A road sign that we're drifting is our service becomes mechanical. You used to study that Sunday school lesson all week long. And you couldn't wait until those sweet little faces came in. Now, well, I looked at it on Saturday night. That's mechanical service. Nursery. God bless the nursery workers. I'm telling you what, I, there's no purgatory in the Bible, but there is one in most churches. It's the nursery, Amen. <laughs> God bless the, the, the ladies that work the nursery. But listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Don't you let that become mechanical. Somebody put their precious little angel in there with you. They need, you know what they need you to be doing? Engaging that little boy or little girl and praying for them right there. Lord, bless this little boy or girl. Help them to grow up and serve you. Service becomes mechanical. Road signs of drifting. Reasons for drifting. Revelation about drifting. Number four, what are some results of drifting? The results are all the same. Souls, blessings, fellowship, time, opportunities, all lost. All because we drifted. How about some remedies for drifting? This is what we call the brass tacks, the, the application of the message. I've given you all interpretation thus far about drifting. Let's get to some application. Some remedies for drifting. Determine to go against the tide. Be not conformed to this world. Amen? Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. you got to determine to go against the tide. Again, I see Brother Thomas, and I, I think about so many great times we had minister to, ministering one with another. And you know what? You think about that kid in your youth group, Brother Dave, that just took a stand for Christ, Miss Tina, and amen. And, and maybe he was the only one, or she was the only one, and they went against the tide, and I'll tell you what, they're better for it. They're better for it. 
But listen, you know what? It takes a determination to go against the tide. All right, here's one. Go with me. You're in Hebrews. Go over to 2 Peter, just two books over. Take a right turn, and you got James, and then 1 Peter, and then 2 Peter, chapter 1. Determined to go against the tide. Number two, remedy for drifting. Keep rowing. Keep rowing. You got to row. If you're going to not drift, you've got to row. You've got to exert some effort here. Look at verse number 4 of 2 Peter 1. It says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That's this book right here. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped. Remember that word escape in our text, amen? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence. That sounds like effort. Hmm? Sounds like effort. Yes, you, 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 you heard the promises of God and you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've escaped the corruption. Now what do you do? Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. What do we call this, pastor? We call it growing in grace. Keep growing. Keep growing. Don't just have faith. Add virtue. Hmm? Don't listen, don't just have faith and virtue, add knowledge. What is that? It takes effort, giving all diligence. Keep rowing. If you don't keep rowing, you'll drift. Right? Amen. Remedies for drifting. Determined to go against the tide. Keep rowing or growing in Christ. Be careful of currents. Be careful of currents. You can get swept up in a current, and next thing you know, Brother Bob, you've drifted down here. Say, what's the current? If any man be drawn away of his own lust and enticed, James 1 tells us. You're, you're right there. You're in 2 Peter. Take a left turn. Go to James 1. This is the current that we have to be aware of. And it's a current that's really close by. As a matter of fact, it's in us. This current is. James 1.14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It tells us right here the process of sin. It starts with us being tempted and drawn away of our own lust. You know what? we got to beware of those currents. Listen, some, listen, and, 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 I, and honestly, I, I, I have no axe to grind here. Some people should not have a television. Some people should not have unfettered internet access, like everybody. Okay? Sir, don't be on, don't be on your phone late at night when your wife's sleeping. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Why? Because that current is a lot stronger than you think. And it can pull you down, and the next thing you know, you're over here, drifting. So you got to 
Beware of currents. It's a remedy for drifting. You got to keep rowing. You got to determine to go against the tide. And then go to Hebrews chapter 6. And I'm closing with this, Pastor. Goes right along with the song that we sang. The anchor holds. You know what you need to do? Keep from drifting. You need to drop anchor. You need to drop anchor. But listen, that is what. You, you read, read the story of Paul's shipwreck in Acts chapter 27. What did they do? They dropped anchor. Why? Because it keeps the ship from drifting against the rocks. And I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, well, verse 18, you can start there, that by two immutable things that it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth that within the veil, whither the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you want to keep from drifting? Anchor yourself in his love for you. Hmm? Do you know how much Jesus loves you? I, I, I was so privileged uh, to preach at our church uh, several weeks ago. I preached on God's thoughts of us, Pastor. God's thoughts. I think I mentioned this last time I was here. And it, every once in a while, I come up with a great idea, like once every five or six years, amen. And this was a good one. Uh, we always have a graphic. We have a screen behind us. And uh, always have a graphic during the preaching and try to tie in the thought of, and the text with a picture. And uh, Brother Dave, the, 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 the text was God's thoughts for you. And it was out of Psalm 139 after he talks about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. How wonderful are thy thoughts unto me. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more than the stars that could be numbered. And I had a picture, Brother Baskin, of a young father. And, and the baby, he had a baby, and the baby was sleeping. And the young father was just zoned in on that baby. Just looking right at that baby. He wasn't looking at that baby to catch him in some sin. He wasn't looking at that baby to say, oh, you're probably messing your diaper right now, amen. He was, he was looking at that baby because, Brother Neil, he couldn't take his eyes off him. I want to tell you something. You know what will keep you from drifting in this old flesh and all those other things that we talked about? is just realizing how much God really loves you. We love him because he first loved us. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Listen, it's not, listen, the fear of judgment will keep us from drifting. Amen. I understand that. You understand that. I'm telling you what, perfect love casteth out all fear. 1 John 4.18 says, with my kids, especially my boys, We, we don't have to discipline them very much anymore, but we will probably this week. Mm -hmm. 
Both of my boys are tender-hearted boys. Disappointing me hurts them more than corporal punishment does. You know what? If you realize how much God really loves you and you let that motivate you, you won't drift nearly as much. It's the goodness of God, Pastor. Romans 2.4 tells us that leadeth thee repentance. It's not his judging hand, though that does. It was interesting in that series I was doing on the prodigal son. I very, very rarely do I deviate from notes. I, I have notes and I have thoughts that go along with notes, but I completely went off script on this. And I, I literally said in the middle of a message, I, I had a, a, a thought, and you're always careful about that. It's like, is this thought from the Lord or should I not say this, amen? Because it just came upon. But I remember, Pastor, I, I, I thought in the middle of the message, I said, do you know that the father didn't go and chase the prodigal? in the sins of the flesh? Hmm? Because what happens with the sins of the flesh? They usually lead us to the hog pen, and they usually lead us to repentance. The hog pen leads us to repentance. But with the elder brother, the hard-hearted one, he went out and got him because he was guilty of the sins of the heart. And I've learned in my own life that God entreats me much more over the sins of the heart. When I get in the sins of the flesh, he says, okay, go ahead, have your own way. I'll be here when you're ready for me. Hmm? I'll tell you what, what you see in both cases there was two boys that had drifted, both had drifted. One had drifted in the sins of the flesh. One had drifted in the sins of the heart. You wouldn't, one drifted in the far country. One drifted though he lived in the father's house. Both of them forgot how much their daddy really loved them. The prodigal remembered it. The elder brother had to be confronted with it. What did he say? He said, son... All that I have is thine. So everything I have is yours. It was meet that we should make merry. Listen, anchor yourself to God's love for you. You know, when you slip and drift, God's love doesn't change for you. Is he disappointed? I don't think he is because to disappoint God would be meaning God didn't know it was already going to happen. I, I don't think so. But does it grieve him? Sure does. Bible tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30 tells us. Listen, anchor yourself. You want to keep from drifting? Anchor yourself in the love of God. You're here today and you're drifting toward hell. Listen to me. Anchor yourself in God's love for you. When he shed his blood and died on that old rugged cross, you know what he said to you, sinner man? I love you. I love you the dangers of drifting. Father, thank you so much for these thoughts from your word, this simple message tonight, some revelation about drifting, some reasons for drifting, some road signs of drifting, some results of drifting, some 
remedies for drifting. I pray that you'd speak to every heart tonight. Perhaps there are those that have drifted. There was once a day where their devotional life was full of love and tears and they couldn't wait to wake up and maybe have that cup of coffee and a little bit of breakfast and, and just open up your word. Maybe there's some that have drifted from that. They've left their first love. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts tonight. Maybe there are those lessening in their church attendance. But, oh, God, you said so much the more as we see the day approaching. Maybe there are even those that are hard-hearted toward preaching. I pray this message tonight would just cut to the quick and reach their heart chip away some of that spiritual concrete that they'd have that soft, tender, fleshy heart again. I pray that you'd bless now as we can conduct our invitation. May not one grieve, quench, or resist what you want to do in their lives. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Piano begins to play softly, a hymn of invitation. Let's stand to our feet.